We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Do you still consider it a competition between Jacoby and Sam? I do. I, I You know, again, it's one of those things that, guys, it's, it's you know, just because I said he's going to start off as QB1 doesn't mean he's going to finish as QB1. That was Ron Rivera earlier today before the first day of mandatory minicamp in which everybody was there. Uh, Rick Doc Walker was there, and he's going to be on the show coming up starting in the next segment. The show today is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, for a chance at a first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. You have to use my promo code, KevinDC, to claim that bonus. But whether you're a diehard or a casual fan, simply put, there's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. MyBookie.com, MyBookie.ag, promo code KevinDC. All of your NBA Game 3 needs are there to be had. By the way, if you want to bet the Belmont Stakes, the last of the Triple Crown races this weekend, uh, this is the place to do it at mybookie.com, mybookie.ag. All right, before we get to Doc, um, I do want to talk about a couple of things briefly. Number one is just the stunning news today that the PGA Tour and the Live Tour, along, by the way, with the European Tour, the DP World Tour, are uh, merging. Um, and the the specifics of this merger are unclear. As we're recording this podcast, um, you know, it's possible that you will have heard a lot of the details from Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, who is going to hold a press conference later today to announce the details. Uh, my first reaction was, what? I mean, we're only a year removed from real bitterness between PGA Tour players and Live Tour players, the players that took the money, and it was a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money. Phil Mickelson, close to $100 million. And there were a lot of PGA Tour players that stayed loyal to the PGA Tour and did not take that money. And you have to wonder... You know, and you've seen some of the reactions, I'm sure, already from the PGA Tour players. They're not happy about this, and they were completely caught off guard by this. 
I don't know what golf will look like. I don't know if this is a merging of the tours in terms of players playing both events or if the tours remain on their own. You know, what kind of, you know, team play do we get on the PGA Tour similar to the Live Tour? I don't know what the merger looks like in detail. Um, But what we do know is that PGA Tour players, uh, at least based on the social media response, are not that happy. Um, They seem to be shocked. They seem to have been totally uh, caught off guard. And for the Live Tour players, uh, I mean, Phil Mickelson probably summed it up. Quote, awesome day today with a happy face emoji. I mean, they got their money, they're playing majors, and now maybe they're back as part of the PGA Tour. Um, I don't have much more to offer on this today. Tomorrow, however, Steve Sands will be on with us and uh, we'll get his thoughts. It'll be easier after we've heard from the Tour Commissioner, uh, Jay Monahan and gotten more details on this. Um, All right, so we'll do that in more detail tomorrow. Let's get to Washington minicamp day one and what I played coming out of the open from Ron Rivera. I know that Ron's bounced around with the way he's described the quarterback situation. You know, immediately after the season, labeling Sam Howell QB1, talking about how, you know, and it it, it started down that path of building Sam up into a guy that was hardly even recognizable based on where he was picked last year and based on really hearing nothing about him all season long. But, you know, all of the... Uh, information from Ron about how he was so excited to go to mock drafters and they all had him projected much higher and that you know like they did and the the uh, steps and the and the progress he was making during the season with footwork and how you know receivers were talking about how the ball was there right when they came out of the break and defenders were like oh my god never had a chance to get you know a hand on it this guy can really play and then we did get you know a bit of a step back a, a bit of of a pull back when they signed Jacoby Brissett and the discussion was more about you know kind of a competition but you know Sam getting kind of the first opportunity well look today he kind of confirmed what he has you know alluded to which is this might be more of a competition than maybe we think my view of it is you know It's the right way to answer the question now. Like, enough of the going back and forth and going around in circles and trying to create a really good story and a really good situation. Let him compete. Um, And even if, you know, you don't mean that with respect to, you know, if it's a tie or if it's even a narrow loss in a a competition between Hal and and Brissett, that, that you want Hal to win the job. As much as they've built him up, they kind of look a little bit, um, you know, silly if, you know, Sam Howell isn't the starter in the opener. Now, I don't want them to worry about that. Personally, I want them to play the guy that gives them the best chance to win. And, you know, in thinking about the future, obviously, if it's really close, then I would prefer to see Sam Howell out there as well. Because, 
you know, Jacoby Brissett could turn into Geno Smith. That's a possibility, but more likely than not, he is what he's been, which is a really solid spot starter and a really strong backup quarterback. Um, but probably not the guy that's going to be your starter for the next five years if your team's going to be a contending team. The only guy on the team that probably gives you that chance is Sam Howell. Now, we don't know if he will or he won't, but we don't know, whereas perhaps we know with Brissett. So I do hope that um, while Ron is saying, I think, the right things publicly, and I would even make it clear to Sam and, and Jacoby that you know this is a competition. And you can, you know, obviously they've been clear that Sam's going to get that first opportunity. And to a certain degree, it's his job to lose. But even if he did lose it, if it was by a narrow margin, it still may make more sense to put Sam Howell out there. Where it doesn't make sense to put Sam Howell out there, and where I think Ron Rivera is leaving him so, himself some room, and Eric Bieniemy some room, is if they get to you know the preseason, and it's clear that you know Sam really is a developmental project, with no guarantee that he's going to turn into a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. If they get through this summer, this offseason, and a training camp and three preseason games, and they feel that, then. You know, the odds are stacked heavily in, in favor of Jacoby Brissett because Jacoby Brissett isn't going to all of a sudden, I don't think, take a massive step back and they're going to say, oh, he's terrible. He can't do it either. They know what they're getting in Jacoby Brissett. They're getting a guy capable of starting for their football team based on what they have in the quarterback room right now. And a guy that if they have to turn to him, they can be confident, can run a professional offense, probably better than it's been run in recent years. Um, so I think, you know, Ron is leaving himself that wiggle room that if they get to August, mid to late August, and it's clear to Eric Bieniemy and to Ken Zampezi and to Ron Rivera, and by the way, the other players in the locker room, that Sam really is kind of a project, and there's no guarantee that that project will produce, you know, anything better than a C grade. Um, they've got, you know, they've got Jacoby Brissett as an option, and it doesn't look like a major surprise. And they can talk about it in terms of, see, we had a real competition, and Jacoby, you know, edged Sam out, and we're going to go with Jacoby. Look, this is not the kind of big year for Ron Rivera that I think a lot of people make it out to be. I think it's a bigger year for Eric Bieniemy. We talked about that with Nikki Javala yesterday. If you missed Nikki on the show, she was great yesterday. Um, and we talked about you know uh, how we both felt that this is a bigger situation for Eric Bieniemy. Ron Rivera is entering more likely than not. You know, if you took the Vegas over-under numbers literally and said Washington's going to be, you know, a 7-7 seven, seven to 8 win team, then it's more likely than not that Ron's not going to be the head coach next year. Um, but Eric Bieniemy, he's got to play the quarterback that he thinks gives him the best chance to be a head coach at the end 
of 2023. And I'm not saying that that's the way he'll think about it because maybe that's not the way to really position it because then it's more about him. But the point is he's got, you know, an opportunity here to come out from, you know, um, beneath the shadows of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And there are two ways for him to win. Uh, developing Sam Howell incrementally over the course of a year to where you get to the end of the year and it's like, wow, Sam Howell looks like a starting quarterback in the NFL. And Eric Bieniemy's been been behind this the whole day, uh, whole year, developing him. He was up and down. He's become more consistent. Um, his goods getting better. His bads getting less bad. And it really looks like we've got a starting quarterback. Eric Bieniemy wins, even if they're a six or seven win team, because of of the up and down nature of a young quarterback starting for the first time for an entire season. The other way he wins is if it's either Sam Howell, much bigger win, um, if he starts Sam Howell and then wins with Sam Howell. But the odds are if Sam Howell starts 17 games, that it's not going to be a Patrick Mahomes year, but it's going to be typical of a guy starting in his first full year where it's not a playoff year typically. But the other way he could win is if – he goes with Jacoby Brissett, and this team takes a jump forward offensively, and combined with a really good team, they win. And the offense is part of the reason that they win, rather than sort of in the backseat last year of how they got to eight and eight, because they were defensive led to eight and eight to eight, eight and one last year. So um yeah, I I, uh, I mean, we're going to go back and forth on this, and there's going to be a lot during training camp. And Ron talked yesterday about the importance of the preseason games, and maybe that's going to be part of, you know, the overall evaluation. You know, it shouldn't be the end-all, be-all. What they see every day in meeting rooms and in practice, I'm sure will be as important, if not more important. But um, I would put, you know, and I did this on radio this morning, I would put the chances of Jacoby Brissett being the starter in the opener against Arizona at still only 20%. I know Tommy thinks it's really high. And I took calls on this, and a lot of people were 50-50 on this after hearing Ron Rivera today. Um, I I just think that more likely than not, uh, it's going to be, even if it's clear that Brissett is, you know, better it won't be by enough to make the locker room sweat starting Sam Howell, to make the coaching staff sweat starting Sam Howell. And I think that's what they really want. They want to start Sam Howell. So, look, subject to change, I would say one in five chance, 20% chance that Jacoby Brissett is the starting quarterback on opening day. But I don't think it's 0%. I don't. Um, and we will see, and there's such a long way to go on this thing. Um, what is clear, and you know, I'll ask Doc about this as well, what's clear is you've got, a, you've got quarterbacks out there that have the arm strength and have the NFL arm ability that you really have to have, and they haven't had in a while. So one more thing before we get to Doc, who was at minicamp today, and that one thing is Chase Young. 
Chase Young looked good out there today, according to all of the beat reporters. We'll get a report from Doc as well. Um, And, you know, Chase Young held about a four- to five-minute presser with media. I thought he did a really good job. He was focused very much on, you know, playing ball in the future, and he was very matter-of-fact in his answers. Um, answering questions about the fifth-year contract extension and, again, focused on next year. Uh, All of the answers were super brief, super short. He did say that he feels great, he feels explosive, um, that the confidence is back, and uh, and that's all great. I wanted to read uh, to you from Albert Breer today. Albert Breer made some news uh, earlier today. Um, in his SI.com MMQB column. He writes, Chase Young's reporting to Commander's minicamp on Monday again highlights the situation Washington is in with its edge rushers. The Commanders have already paid Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen on the interior of the defensive line, and giving two more pass rushers in Young and Montez Sweat big contracts might be tough. So as Young tries to prove he can get healthy and back to himself again, he and Sweat might be competing for the last spot. Teams coming out of the spring thinking they need more help may make trade calls on Young. It seems unlikely that Washington Brass would move him ahead of a must-win year, but I know they'd be open to listening. And there's a pretty surprising number of accomplished pass rushers still on the market. Clowney, Houston, Ngakwe, Clark, among the biggest names out there. Um, By the way, that's something I've been talking about is just how many good pass rushers are still out there. And I think it's worth contemplating whether or not Washington needs a pass rusher. Now, hopefully they don't because they've spent first-round picks on two different guys over the last five seasons for going into his fifth as Montez Sweat. Uh, But, you know, they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. And, as Albert Breer wrote, and I have alluded to many times, they were listening to trade offers. Now, it was my understanding that they never got, you know, anything resembling something that would make them move. But if that move up to 14 in the draft, which they looked to do with New England, they revealed that on their 21-minute, you know, video about draft night or or the first round of the draft that they had reached out to New England about moving up two spots. I don't know that it was to ensure that they got Emmanuel Forbes. I think Ben Standig's theory that they were interested in Lucas Van Ness, the defensive end out of Iowa, was as good as any that I had heard because uh, they ended up drafting two defensive ends later in the draft. So Washington may have been looking to trade up to 14 with New England to take Lucas Van Ness. And if they had, I don't know that Chase Young would be on the roster right now. But they didn't do that because Van Ness went 13th overall and before New England um, selected and were on the clock and they ended up trading with Pittsburgh. And Chase Young is here for a mandatory minicamp. Look, this is on him now. We've talked about this. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. They drafted two defensive ends. They may have been looking to draft one in the first round. Um, They uh, have told you with their actions, 
And for those that didn't believe me that that they had, you know, listened to and were, you know, p- potentially interested in trading him pre-draft, you know, Albert Breer has now suggested the same thing. By the way, Breer uh, tweeted out uh, after this story, um, Chase Young's looked pretty phenomenal in minicamp, meaning today. Um, and I'd say chances of the commanders considering offers on him aren't what they were pre-draft. Teams can call, but I'd highly doubt he gets moved. He's not going to get moved now. They didn't get Lucas Van Ness. They drafted two guys in the fifth and seventh round. Um, and they're not going to get, you know, unless they get blown away with an offer. And if they were to get blown away with an offer, maybe the, they would then turn around and go out and, you know, try to sign one of these pass rushing you know, specialist free agents like an Ngakwe. I mention him a lot because I'm a fan of his, and I, he's coming up two pretty good seasons. And you can get him on probably a one-year deal. Um, but anyway, I love the fact that he looked healthy. Um, I love the fact that he said that he's confident in that knee, you know, because that there was tentativeness last year. I think they wanted and they expected him to come back earlier than he did. Um, but there were, you know, it, 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 he wasn't comfortable. I thought he looked great in those final three games. Um, and I thought he looked healthy. Um, but man, this is all about him. This team, you know, is not sure that Chase Young is going to be worthy of signing at the end of 2023. Anything he gives them that's really, really solid is icing based on where their expectations were. Now, Ben Standig asked Ron Rivera um, the following question today uh, about Chase Young and where he kind of ranks on the org- on the uh, on the depth chart. Here's what Ron said: This might be a silly question, but is he automatically back in the starting lineup, assuming he is healthy and all that? Absolutely. I mean, again, the, the big thing more than anything else is, you know, this has been a strictly voluntary and, you know, and you don't you don't reward guys and take things away for guys for not being around. A head coach can't publicly uh, criticize or try to influence a player to show up to voluntary activities, even if 89 out of the 90 players on the team show up or 87 out of the 90 this time, and he's the only one that hasn't over the course of his career. The collective bargaining agreement is pretty clear. These are voluntary activities, and the coaches cannot demand or or try to persuade um, players to show up for something that they don't have to show up for. Uh, but look, big picture on this thing is it's up to Chase Young. Uh, I still think that you know Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera and the coaching staff have some responsibility to really attempt to take one last big swing at this thing. You know the the ship has left the port on trades. They're not going to get what they were hoping to get, and they were going to have to be blown away to begin with. They weren't able, if they did have defensive end in mind in the first round uh, by trading up, they didn't pull that off. Uh, they are hopeful, like they are at quarterback, that Chase Young doesn't hold talent hostage uh, another year. And by the way, that he stays healthy this upcoming season. They would love to be in a position where he proves them wrong. And I hope that they coach him up, and hopefully he's turned that maturity corner uh, and becomes a big surprise for them. Because I think their expectations are kind of dialed back on him. Uh, All right. Uh, up next, Doc Walker, who was at minicamp day one, will give us uh, what he saw and his thoughts. Uh, that's right after these words from a few of our sponsors. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, jumping on with us right now, um, and I feel honored uh, that he has made some time today on a very busy day for him because he was out at minicamp day one out at the park, is my good friend Richard Doc Walker, at Rick Doc Walker on Twitter. His podcast is on patreon.com slash Doc Walker. Um, so, uh, mini camp day one, everybody was there. What did you see? What did you learn? Well, I saw a, a great, again, a great tempo as I did last week. The difference from your standpoint, had you been there and not been working on things that hopefully are going to help us improve as a country <laughs> is the, yeah. the velocity and our throwers. Our quarterbacks last year were not the most accurate. We all reported it that were there. The difference between a guy hitting 92 on the gun and 98 on the gun, all three guys are throwing lasers. It's seven on seven. I mean, it's, a, it's an offensive drill. The defense is at a distinct disadvantage, but yet they recover because out of repetition. So it becomes highly competitive on both sides. So there are things that, you know, you don't care which side of the ball wins. You just want them to you hopefully alternate, and that's what they do. It's, uh, it's a quick team. It's a – they're smart because I didn't see one play repeated. We've all been at practices when they've had to go, run it again, get it. none of that happens. So they're still coaching, and they're correcting things. Uh, I was looking forward to changes in the staff because, you know, Chris Harris last year, if you go out on the field, you would have thought he was a head coach. He was commanding and demanding on the defensive side, boisterous and coaching, and they had a very good spirit. This group has the exact same thing coming from both sides. The offensive line, Matt Coast, obviously you've got two people now working in unison, working on developing an offensive line, which is the most critical position on the team in terms to of what we don't know. We're hopeful, but we don't know. But they got a lot of big, capable, athletic bodies that are competing at a really high level. So I was pleased. It's what I want to see, understanding that it's just a rehearsal. It's not football practice. It's a football exercise, and it was a very good one. Right, but you started with, um, you know, you used the word pace, and I understand that it turned into velocity as far as quarterback arm strength. But yeah. 
Over the years, uh, in all of our conversations, you know, I remember what you say. Um, yeah. And one of the things that always impresses you or leaves you feeling very unimpressed is how practice is handled or how this exercise is handled. I remember specifically you loved the way Callahan ran practices, didn't love the way Jay Gruden ran practices. You you loved the way Ralph Friedgen ran practices. I remember you saying to me, there's not one wasted minute in practice, they're so prepared. So there are some new coaches out here, including a new offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach. So Mm -hmm. does it look to you like you are, when when they really start practicing, you're going to be impressed with the pace, with the preparation, with the staff? Absolutely. This, um, first of all, it's like an apprenticeship versus watching a celebrated group of award winners. I mean, we went from a group that was attempting to find itself to a man that just walked off with a Lombardi trophy. So our carryover is astonishing on the offensive side because the enemy is such a dominant leader and instructor. So he sets the pace. You know, the point guard runs the offense. So if he's running, we're all running. I mean, you know, and so that's that's something that's very well to see. Castile at, 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 and, and what Coach T are doing on the offensive line reminds me of what Coach Z did last year on the defensive line. Right. See, I saw the change. As soon as he made a move on the D-line and then Ryan Kerrigan was integrated into it, he was an infant. But he had he but he's a <laughs> he's an old pro in terms of knowledge. And the kids adapted to him immediately after practice because Ryan had their immediate trust because they knew that he'd done exactly what he's asking them to do. And it's so clear when you see that. And so when both on the offensive line, same thing, actual experience, gamers transferring over, a lot of young, big bodies. And athleticism, you can see now without the pads on from the offensive line. Cosme ran, it broke a play, and I'm looking at two right side of the offensive line, and here's a Longhorn 45 yards downfield trying to throw a block. 45 yards downfield. And you know a guy, he made the team, he's a high pick. He didn't have to do that. But there's been a tone set. And so I say it becomes contagious. The defense usually always, they fly to the ball, they rally. And Del Rio had a good chat with Jack. Uh, I'm a huge fan because he, he speaks a language that I know they understand. He may be misunderstood or understood exactly what he'd like to be to the media because I don't think he gives a damn about the media. But to the players and within that deal, oh, yeah, it's different. He's different, and they're reacting to it. In a way, he's got a new guy in the secondary. They've interjected new players. So when it's your first year as a coach, you know you coach. You 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 don't miss nothing. You're so excited about you're more excited about practice than the players are. And that's what I see out there now. And that's cool. Cats are Coach K, I mean the special teams, leadership, you've got a great best punter in the game, a very high prospect in, in Joey, and you've got one of the best snappers in the game in cheese. So that's experience. 
ESPN coverage teams, and you got a lot of athletes now that know that they make this team if they're hell on wheels on special teams. So that's high at a very high level because they know guys like Patterson. They know I've got to contribute. And then these rookies, um, I uh, told you I got a chance to have uh, the leadership dinner with the DNs. And these young bucks are highly aggressive. And they remind me of uh, Dexter in that, that unbridled thrill. They want to go. They run. They're fast. They're physical. So all those things are good. And, again, without the pads on, I can't. Ju- I don't judge football practice unless they're in full pads and right. contact. That's why I'm, ask- they don't have that. yeah. so That's why I'm asking you more about the coaches. I was pleased yeah. with. Um, first of all, I-, I want you to tell everybody that's listening – how well-respected Jack Del Rio is by everybody out there. You know, there's um, there's a lot to be said. You know, your past, our past, we have a long and documented past. The, and when the I franchise. see Jack with other players um, from other teams, that tells me, I'm getting Warren Sapps out there again today. Yeah. B-Jack was out there from the Ravens who played for Jack. He's out there with the linebackers. Jack exposes his players to guys that he's worked with, won with, dominated with in his past. And they all speak language like Coach Thompson. They speak in tongues. And that impresses me. Because in the, under quote, underworld, I mean, and I'm just talking about physical thugs playing the game. Jack's a made man. And seeing Warren and B-Jack out there today, that's what thrills me. Because he lets them interact and go to meetings and talk to his players. And we know how those guys played. Both of them were vicious. And I think that's really a good, that's a positive. And the defense, uh, these young guys, man, I had two of them on the air last weekend and uh, very impressed with them. High IQ guys, but really understanding that they got to take somebody's job to earn one. And that's what I stressed to them at the dinner. I said, all this is cool right now, friendly fire and all that. But in order for you to make this team, you have to take somebody's job. Are you a man enough for it? And they all, they couldn't wait. And they love that. And that's, that's what I like about it. Uh, the tight end room, I've never seen this much athleticism in one room. It has nothing to translate to what's going to happen. I have no idea. But here's what I do know. They look like nobody's under 6'6", and everybody's over 240, 250, and they all run. They're all athletic. So that was that was challenging and, and encouraging for me to see it and then to talk to the godfather, who was hurt last year. 82 was hurt. Logan and he played Logan through Thomas. it and got injured again. He is in mid-season form from an athletic standpoint. So they're all catching well. They're all in the secondary. They can run. It's nice to see. Now, all this has to be added with pads, a plan, blah, blah, blah. But for just right now, and it's not a practice to me, it's an exercise. And the exercise was five-star. Uh, the two young defensive ends um, Doc's referring to are the two draft choices, K.J. Henry and Andre Jones. You're referring to them, And don't I forget believe. the free agent from, from Bowie State. 
Um, Undrafted free agent. Yeah, the kid. Uh, the kid prior. The kid, the kid prior. Yeah, prior yeah. two seventy. Yeah. Right. He had about eighty-eight um, pressures, twenty-seven sacks. On his level, he was dominant, and uh, so that's what I mean. That's what you look for. You look for, you know, our, our fan base sometimes gets spoiled by all this first round draft choice talk. But I remember when all we had were eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth guys who were dominant. Dexter in the fifth round, Monty Coleman. Got, you know, I just can go on and on and on. So that's what I look for. I look for guys with a chip on their shoulder, and we got three of them that are competing against each other in a friendly fire mode, but they want to be on this team. So back to one of the coaches, Eric Bieniemy. Just okay. tell me and tell everybody, you know, the personality. Obviously, he comes from a winner, and we understand that he's old school and he's tough he's and he's demanding. Um, and so t- tell me what you know, what you see and what the big difference is between him and, say, the last guy that was here, Scott Turner. <clears throat> Scott's a good kid, but again, Scott, Scott Turner, there's a pretty good chance without Coach Rivera, he's not given that opportunity to be in charge. So, and he did a really good job. He was within his personality, and he played true to who he was. Now we're talking about a guy who played in the league and played undersized. So he's had a chip on his shoulder his whole life. He's had to prove people wrong, prove that he could do it. He did that. Then he gets in the coaches' ranks. And I talked to him today, and I said, you know, I laugh at the fact that the people that denied you a chance to run their team, you realize they have the IQ of Lassie. They prove it over and over. Your bosses who hire you have no no football IQ, no football acumen. They're completely in, they're ignorant to the game of football. So don't take it on that you've been denied by X amount of people. What do you expect? Half of them have no idea about this game. They just own it and make money off of it. But you've heard him talk. You've heard the sound bites. What has he shown you that he couldn't impress somebody in an interview with a team in last place? I totally agree with that. The first interview, I said, how, how, did, how is it that he hasn't been hired? Because clearly exactly. he must have interviewed well. So it was exactly. it was more than that. It was his style, don't you think? It was his yep. demanding style that, let's face it, in this day and age, with a lot of younger people in particular, it can wear thin after a while. But I want to hear what you've seen with him when you when we hear he's demanding. How? Well, I'll, I'll take you back to your days with your whistle around your neck. You understand that there's no such thing as a pass that's not chest high right between the numbers, even in basketball. Right. You know how to perfect the, the pass, the forward push pass. You know the baseball. But you know every technique to deliver the ball. It's so fundamental that it sounds ridiculous. When he talks about getting up to the huddle, you say, well, how hard could it be? Well, you got 10 guys in a huddle that have to listen, and then they have to be in unison, and they'll get up to the ball quick, 
the quarterback's got the worst job in the world. It pays the most, but it's also the one I would never want. you got to figure out so many different things in three seconds. And people wonder why people struggle at the position. It's the most demanding position in the world for one person. And so when you watch when he talks about practice and tempo, I see him doing a flare drill. Flare drill, the back comes out the backfield and flares out. He's at the point where the guy's got a flare, and he's looking at his eyes. He's coaching eyes. He's coached. Get your head around. He's just – he doesn't miss one detail. And so you'd love him because it's exactly how you coach, how you teach. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm well, not serious. When no, you, but, you but you, I, basketball level. What, what you're saying is that every little thing matters. and Everything. And he's not going to let it go. Never. Never. And so, and I'm being very serious now, because you get it. It's like John Wooden. When I was so excited to meet Coach Wooden at UCLA, and I went in and and I asked John, Coach, I said, Coach, do you mind if I watch practice? And he said, Rick, I have nothing to hide. He said, I just request that you be quiet. We can't have any talking. And I said, no problem, Coach. And I go, what's the first thing you teach your players? He said, the first thing, Rick, I have to make sure they know how to put the socks on. Shoes, socks socks on. Because he said, blisters in our sport cost you a game. And so it was that detailed. I was in a training room. He taught the trainers, uh, Ducky Drake, the legendary trainer at UCLA, and they had a procedure. This is the way we do things. And he always prefaced, this is how we put on our shoes and socks at UCLA. This is how we do this. It's all personalized. I said, Coach, why don't you have close practices? He said, Rick, we have nothing to hide. We don't work on opponents in practice. We work on UCLA. Because I believe that if we do what we're capable of doing, it'll take care of everything. <laughs> and that's, I mean, and I, and I see the enemy, and anybody that's coaches, you know, coach B coach at UCLA, some years as well, if you've been in that environment with the pyramid of success and what everybody talks about there is that approach. It doesn't necessarily mean it translates into championships, but at least you have an order. There's a way they do their business. And all good teams have their own style. And Eric Bieniemy, he's got a walkie-talkie now, and he's miking up the quarterback, and he's standing in the end zone behind the offense, relaying things in. And I always said, and you and I have talked about this for years. I hate coaches in a huddle in practice. I hated that. Because they're not there in the games. You're never there in the game. You're never close. Why are you standing 10 yards from the huddle? Get your behind 30 yards away, like it is in the game. It makes a difference. Eric does that from day one. He's got a microphone. Now, I've never seen them doing voice and plays in this first I've seen that on this level I'd never thought of that brilliant so from an IQ standpoint it's good that's why I go uh, success leaves clues and when you got a champion that's what you purchased you bought a guy that has that pedigree and now he's transferring how they work what he's learned and I'm just happy that these people have picked up on it quickly. And the receivers, I mean, you know how talented these guys are. 
They got a bunch of guys that can run, and now they no longer have to stop for the ball. The ball leads them into the route. With all three quarterbacks, everybody has done the same thing. So it's completely different than a year ago from the naked eye. And I got a chance to sit with, you know, a lot of the press crew today and talking through them and, and just telling them, what here's what I see. Rick Snyder, who I have a lot of respect for, we were standing over there, a couple of older guys, and we're just talking about, of all the things we've seen, all the camps, all these things we've seen, how this sets up and measures. And you can see it's different. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're good about their business. Then I'm in the child line. Now, you can learn a lot, as you well know. You can learn a lot at child line. What am I looking for at child line? I want to see subgroups interacting. I don't like a team that the whole D lines together and the old lines together. That's not good. I want that thing mixed up. And you see cross-pollination, as I like to refer to it as. So this is a team that guys are blending and talking. Coaches are eating, sitting with them. That's imp- I know it may sound like it ain't crap to most people, but in the end, I mean, you don't good teams. You don't hate your coaches. You may hate some of the things they ask you to do, but overall, you enjoy the company because you're around them a lot. And so, if you're breaking bread and having dialogue with people in the organization, it's just a it's a very fresh atmosphere. It's the same atmosphere that you've heard all the rumors. People were told don't look at certain people in the eyes and don't do this and call this guy mister and do all that. You've heard all that garbage that came out of that place. That's not a conducive environment for winning. That's corporate America. This ain't corporate America. It's a ball club. And you have to keep that athletic tone going because you need everybody swinging together. And, uh, you know, that's what I saw. All right. uh, Let's get to the quarterbacks, and we will do that with Doc right after these words from a few of our sponsors. On the quarterbacks, I know it's early and it's exercises yeah. and, you know, you've already talked about the velocity, that there's a big difference between ninety throwing 92 and 98. Um, and, yep. you know, we, we know that Sam's got a big arm and Jacoby's got a big arm. By the way, the yep. third quarterback you've, you're talking about, are you talking about the kid from Fordham or Jake Fromm? Jake Fromm. Okay. Um, so just tell me about Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett and just any observations you've made – so far seeing them out there and and just chucking it around other than arm strength i mean what else you know kind of sticks out to you yeah they i mean they throw they're more deep attempts in this i've seen two practices now there are more and you should be ripping it in practice because not practice in this exercise because it's an offensive exercise and they are ripping it 15 to 20 bombs. I've been going for it. Now, you don't do that if you can't make the throw. So that's why I say all three guys have a big arm. And guys that can have big arms, show them off. That's what they do. Guys that don't, hit checkdowns. These guys hit checkdowns in drills. Other than that, they launching it. And I like that. Because you got to get comfortable with taking those chances and they're also learning the speed of their receivers. Every guy has a different gait, 
every guy comes out of his breaks a different way. And that's what they're in the process of doing now. They're learning that. When you hear guys go, hey, we're going down to the beach and throw, you go, well, what does that mean? It's understanding every guy has a different stride, a different gait. Certain guys like balls, certain positions. That's what you learn. And that's what the throwing is why I call it an exercise. It's needed to pass. You've got to pass a lot. You really have to do it. Uh, but this team will be defined by its edge rushers. And so of the four guys that end up making this team to do that, that will determine success to me with this team. Because their interior is no doubt in my mind that they're going to be a wrecking ball with their four to five tackles that they keep. Their interior pressure is going to be superb. If they match that by having some legitimate freaks coming off that edge with the potential and the athleticism of our secondary, they should have be better than they were a year ago. And that's taking top ten and moving it you know, closer to top five. Right. And if they can do that, and then score more than 19 points a game, now you got a chance to be in the race. All right, so I, I want to come back to the quarterbacks here in, in a moment. But okay. you brought up edge rushers, and I, I've talked about this a couple of times over the last week. Um, Chase Young was there today. First of all, how did he look physically? Oh, superior. You know, I talked to him. I'm, I'm like, um, I never questioned and will never question his conditioning because he is truly a professional athlete. He understands that he's going to make his money by based on speed and explosiveness. That's, it, that's his game. Now, when he ties into that, expanding his offensive, his defensive repertoire in terms of how he rushes the passer, inside, outside, up and under, spin move, He's got, to, uh, he's got to incorporate some moves. And as he does that, and that's where Ryan Kerrigan comes in. Then if he trusts Ryan, and then he works on those mechanics, he's going to be okay. Okay, so he wasn't here last week. But he was with another all-pro training. And I never questioned what he was doing. He wouldn't be a guy sitting around eating bonbons. No, he's a workaholic. But what I would advise him to do if I had that intimacy with him is that sometimes in life when you're a leader you got to do things that you don't necessarily like to do or want to do not about you it's about them young boys that are there looking up to you even if you showed up like showed up like Cameron Curl Cameron didn't do this but he was there that was what I would recommend if he would ask me I would tell him but it doesn't matter if he was there or not this week because last week's over he's there now and him and Sweat, they were screaming upfield. I mean, they're in great shape. Didn't you know? I didn't expect anything else. But it's that team concept and leadership that no one can talk you into. You either have it or you don't. And we're going to find out. But no, he was he was fine. He's lean. He looks he looks so athletic. Yeah, he just the guy's a freak of nature. Now we got to get it on game day. You know, we, you and I have talked about this over the years. Some of our best work takes place on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> we need that to be on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays. Yeah, no, your 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 best line. One of well, you've got so many of them, but this franchise they excel Monday through Saturday. Sundays yeah. are the pro- Sundays have always been That's a problem. the problem. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, <laughs> so back, back to the quarterbacks. Um, yeah. Ron Rivera said today in his presser before the day started, uh, Sam Fortier from the Washington Post asked him if this he still views Brissett versus Hal as a legitimate competition, and he said he does. Do you believe him? I know what you want it to be, but do you believe him? Yeah, I mean, if, again, I don't, not just Ron, but I don't necessarily, I find I'm much better off when I don't listen to any chatter out of the park. I don't listen to any chatter because I can see, my eyes tell me all I need to know. Both guys are capable of doing the exact same job. Um, 14's a better runner. Clearly, he's a better athlete. He fits more of what today's game has evolved into. But, Brissett, you've got the best quarterback room you've had since Kirk Cousins was here, in my opinion. All right. And that's without a ball being snapped yet. Because everybody has at least been in a game. Brissett obviously has experience. He led Cleveland. Look, man, if we'd have had him last year. I know. He'd have been in the playoffs. So if you've got a guy backing up who's capable of leading you to the playoffs, this is an opportunity that Sam, if he stays healthy, will have a chance to win. If he gets nicked, he won't play again until the other guy gets hurt, in my opinion. Like there's no way if Sam got nicked up and Jacoby was in that they would put Sam back in. There'd be no reason to. That's how good Brissett can be with – these complement of receivers he has, if they can protect him. And the, and the question mark right now, Sadiq Charles, you know, I got a soft spot for 77 and 74. They both happen to be at the same position. So between Paul, Chris Paul and Sadiq Charles, I can sleep comfortably at the left guard spot. Again, everything's subject to availability. And that's been the problem. Sam Cosby can play two positions in this league. If he had to play right tackle, I have no problem with it. If he played right guard, I got no problem. What you got to do is prove that he can play every week. And if he does that, we're going to be in a position to be really good because I think the tackle play will be enhanced simply through scheme alone. Hmm. I did not agree with putting tight ends on premier pass rushers or leaving premier pass rushes with edge rushers. I just don't think that's smart. You won't see that now. And so that alone through the scheme gives us another good season out of our older tackles. But eventually it's going to be some new blood in there because we got some big bodies. But again, I can't judge linemen unless they're in full pads and it's a live contact practice. All right, um, you're you're doing, I mean, per usual, an incredible job of describing what you've been seeing. Um, you've covered virtually everything with me not even needing to ask. I mean, we, we started with Cheese, Joey, and Tress, so we covered yep. special teams right from the jump. Um, but I want to ask you, uh, this time of year, sometimes, it, you know, it's training camp, but when you start yep. to develop your favorite, you know, puppies – or, or yeah. somebody that may not be a puppy that you know is going to make the team and you're really impressed with. Did, has anybody to you really been noticeable and has you excited so far? 
Yeah, Andre Jones Jr., 6'5", 260 out of Louisiana. Yeah, they drafted him in the final round, seventh round. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you why. I'll give you a story. He's one of the three, the three young defensive ends. I'm just, I adore him because as I, I had a chance to break bread with him. It doesn't mean I don't like the other guys. I just didn't get a chance to break bread with them. Last year, you know, Mathis was the guy, and uh, Obata loved those guys. Um, you know, William Bradley King, I love him. I'm, not, I'm just talking about puppies, as you mentioned, because, you know, it's a difference when you're young in the game and you're trying to make a take somebody else's job because that's the only way you're going to be there is if you do that. And so I mentioned a young man out of uh, Clemson who was their fifth-round pick. K.J. Henry. And K.J., um, he's interesting because he came out of high school. He was better than everybody in high school because he's a legitimate five-star. He could have gone anywhere in the country, anywhere, of the, five, of the powerhouse fives. And he chose Clemson. And they use him a lot like a speed rusher or designated rusher because they have you have so much talent. He also is so hungry because Clemson, his freshman year, whatever their national championship, then all of a sudden they went on a little bit of decline, and nobody wants that. Man, you hate that. See, and the Joshua Pryor, he's going to wear fifty nine in the program. Mm-hmm. You at home, he's six four two eighty. Out of Boys State, he's the most decorated D two player that played in that conference. I mean, when I tell you that this guy had close to eighty pressures and seventy, I mean, he's a freak of nature. And now he's got to make that transition. Well, okay, I remember a kid coming out of uh, Monty Coleman, coming out of Arkansas. People go, "Who is that?" Well, you learn Central very Arkansas. quickly who he was, how he played, and ended up being nicknamed Superman because. He's an athletic freak. So the big fella, now he's going to have to adapt to the game, which he will, I hope. So these three guys, because I think the position we're vulnerable at is the edge rusher position. Mm. Because if you get one nick, you can't have your level drop. They can be good against the run, but if they don't put pressure on the quarterback, then the pressure goes on our secondary. So now you're vulnerable to give up points. So I look at Edra. I need one of those three guys to become an answer because you got two guys that may not be resigned next year. That's possible. So you got to have a pipeline of edge rushers and people that can get to quarterback. So those are the three guys that I'm going to focus on the most on the defensive line. Then I'll get my offensive lineman, but I just can't pick them because I, I can't do it without pads. Um, I wanted to ask you specifically about one player because I've heard some very good things about him so far, about the way he looks physically, and I think they've always liked him. Um, 47, Kalik Hudson. Do you think there's a Love spot him. for him on the field, on defense, yeah. much more than there was last year? Yeah, and he could make it. He can make it that way. Uh, I'm so glad you mentioned him. You know, he's about 220, but he's got that perfect height six feet. And I know you might, so not you, because you know, but some of you listening might be going, what are you talking about, six feet tall? I call it, he's got natural leverage. Everybody who talks about being 6'5", it's hard to get leverage. Yeah, six one guy, 
who did I hate to play? I hated to play against guys six feet, six one. Well, London Fletcher. Uh, oh, it, it, they're impossible to get leverage against. Right. So they win those battles. They win those stalemates. And he got, he's got an opportunity of a lifetime. They picked up the young man out of uh, Seattle. Tampa. And that's, excuse Seattle. me, out of uh, Seahawks. Seattle. Yeah. At linebacker. And again, see, they don't have their names on the back of their jerseys. Would you ever did that? I'd like to just strangle them. Because <laughs> when you're out trying to look at people and pick it up, as I did last year for the, for the games, it was so hard to identify people because you have to learn them by their body movement, you know, as it goes, as you keep watching them. So I'm still in that process. But he was brought over free agent from, from uh, Seattle Seahawks, inside linebacker. And uh, yeah. I'm shocked that you don't know it off the top of your head. Co- um, Cody Barton, I already said it. Oh, yeah, you did. You're right. Yeah. My bad. Animal. Absolute animal. He got range, athletic. That's going to be a big hat. You know, I love uh, the young man out of uh, uh, Baylor. I'm still um, in the 52. Yeah. Fi- um, I still believe. Yeah. 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 Well, we're, we're not, yes. we're, we're, we're not talking about 52, Jamin Davis. He's, he played, he, <laughs> he played at Kentucky. Um, you're, are you talking about, um, yeah, no, 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 you're absolutely right. You're right. Like yeah. I said, I'm applying blind. That's okay. Okay. I, I was yeah, trying to come no up name. with the Baylor uh, product. But yeah, you're I, right. No, I couldn't come. no, you're absolutely okay. right. But Dave, Get out of now, David, I love him to death. Well, he I needed mean, a place to stay. He, he's an athlete. I'd move him in the basement. Athlete. Yep, I'd move him in the basement. Would you because say? Because he can run like the wind. You'd move him in the basement? I'd move him in my house. Yeah, if he oh, you'd move him into stay, your basement. Move, I'd move him in. <laughs> yeah, I'm that high on him. Yeah, I know. I, I'm looking because forward to his. athletic. Yeah. I thought he got the worst. He got the, a raw deal by them picking him and changing his position. Right. That wasn't his fault. Right. But he's he's made the transaction. Now he's going to be good. I think he's going to be fantastic. To be honest with you, and he's got those big bulls in front of him. There's no way when you've got Payne and Allen in front of you that you're not supposed to be a Pro Bowl candidate. There's just no way. Right. If you can run and you hit, what else do you need? Yeah, he, he. I I'm excited about him too because I think we really saw a big jump from you know the position he was uncomfortable with to a position that he was much more comfortable with last year. Third year, he's got it figured out. They haven't changed the defensive scheme or the coordinator. Um, whereas offensively, they're all learning a new system, new terminology, the whole thing. I think Jamin yeah. Davis and. Like you said, Khalid Hudson, and I've been hearing some really good things. They liked him last year, too, but we just didn't see him enough. But uh, maybe their linebacking uh, situation is much – they're much better off than a lot of people think. Maybe simply just you because know, Jamin Davis is in his third year and the second yeah, year playing but, this position. But you named it, hit it right. You know the one thing I had to learn, and I learned it last year watching throughout preseason which wasn't a great indicator because everybody's faking everybody out and lying and not showing things. I like it. I like Jack's defensive philosophy. Mm-hmm. I like the Buffalo nickel thing. I like the fact that they don't run a cookie cutter defense. So when you play Washington, you have to scrap all your cue cards 
because they're really not 34 and they're really not 43. They're odd. And you want to be the odd team every week because people don't have as much to prep right. on you. So they require more prep time out of your workout. So if you catch somebody on a short week or you catch somebody out of your division, then your division knows you. But out of the division, it gives you a distinct advantage. If those hybrid players can actually live up to the billing, and that's what they have going for them. And so if those guys can do it, and we've talked a lot about Emmanuel Ford, it's just such a delight for me to watch him work because I watch Lamar Parrish with the Bengals and here, and I watch Daryl Green. By that, I've watched undersized guys that run like the wind, quick as cats, and fearless. Size does not equate manhood. And this dude, he's a natural athletic freak. He gets his hands on the ball almost three out of every four throws. He's a factor. He identifies things. He's talkative. When I see rookies yelling out instructions, and talking the game, I like that. He reminds me of a point guard in basketball that's in full control of the offense. He does that defensively. And for a guy who's a, a rookie mm. to be that way in practice, that boisterous, I like it a lot. I really do. Because he ain't scared at all. You played with Lamar Parrish in Cincinnati and in Washington. And- and that secondary, you know, even before you got here, when they had Parrish and Lavender at corners, because yeah. Joe Lavender was not tiny. He was 6'3", 6'4". I played four. with Joe. Joe was 6'2", 6'3", long. Yeah. No, we had a killer secondary, man. Killer Tony secondary. Tony Peters, Mark Murphy. Oh, yeah, Peters. Hey, man. As long as and Peters wasn't high. going against these freaks. Yeah. No, man. Kenny Houston and Tony Peters. And, and I'll tell you what, one of the best cover guys inside ever was Ken Coffey. So you, you, you got people that can cover from the inside. So secondaries, you know, that's my pet peeve. Those guys, they are so controlling of a team because they're of their personality. And when you get a Smoot and a Springs, you get the guy like Martin Mayhew. Martin Mayhew's out here, and we're talking today. I'm talking corners with a corner. Yeah. And I'm asking him, you know, about Ford and, and why they wanted him, why there would have been rumors that they were going to trade up, do all these different things. They identified him. And when you identify with somebody, it's frightening because then you don't want anybody to take him. That's why they were willing to trade up. Just wanted to secure a guy that fell to them. And the kid out of Oregon is a physical specimen. He's got all intangibles, you know, 6'2", blah, 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 blah. But they had their eyes set on this guy because of his ball skills, and because when you they don't turn, we don't get a lot of turnovers. No. So when you have a defense, and what Jack wants, he wants more turnovers. They're talking out there all the constant turnovers. They got a tip pass. They got the, they uh, well, you got to dive out off a tip pass. Corner gets it off the ground. You know you've been there. You've seen them, and they sprint down and run, and everybody goes, "Hey, man." That's about 50 yards extra running that nobody really wants to do, and yet the whole defense sprinted down with them. I know it sounds corny. It sounds like it don't mean much. I've seen a lot of units not take two steps after that. So I'm watching people that really love to play the game. And despite 
all the black clouds over the program, all the talk about who owns it, they could care less about that on that field. Because I don't think the ownership, I never thought Snyder was the reason they didn't win. The owner, to me, I don't think the coach has a damn thing to do with it on game day. It's up to the players. Now, if you can't convince them the importance of doing their damn job, that's on you. That's on the players. The players have got to claim that. Yeah, but when the players aren't very good and the owners help pick the players, it's on the owner. By the way, do you know that the secondary – you know, you, we, we were just talking about Lavender and Parrish, but do you know that they yeah. started Ken Houston and Jake Scott for two to three years in the secondary together? Jake Scott, Super you, Bowl you seven MVP, and one of the greatest safeties in the Ever. history of the game were their starting yeah, sa- safeties in, in the mid-70s. What? Well, how about Mike Bass? Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm and, saying... And, 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 well, 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 look at though, but look at Mike Bass. And then uh, the captain, Brig Owens. Yep. Okay. Of course, Pat Fisher. And Pat Fisher. Yeah. And Kenny Houston. Yeah. But I'm just saying that when, you know, Brig Owens was there and, you know, they had Rosie Taylor there in their 72 um, uh, Super Bowl team. But Jake yep. Scott played for the Dolphins and was the MVP in the Super Bowl against Washington. Yep. And then a couple of years later, he was in the secondary playing with Ken Houston, along with Lavender and Parrish and Fisher, yep. you know, at, at corners. I mean, yep. they all, they, there was a stretch there. They had one of the best secondaries in the entire NFL. Yeah. And um, I mean, they were old, though. They were getting old. Yeah, but we we kid about it a lot. But Smoot Springs, you know, in twenty one, mm-hmm. I'm telling you what, you're never gonna win without an outstanding secondary. In, in today's game, the way they toss the ball around, it's mandatory. You can't hope to get lucky. You have to plan on being great in the secondary. And to their credit. The secondary, I mean, I think they've made great strides. They're making great strides. And, um, you know, a Cameron Curl, that's why I love the second day of drafts, and I love my undrafted free agents. Because you're not going to build a championship team with all the restrictions financially now unless you get some bargains. Right. you got to get some basement bargains. And they're playing way over their salaries. And then you got to pay for it and catch up later. But you got to layer it, and I think that's what they've shown, you know, with Danny Johnson. There's just been too many guys that have stepped in and done admirable jobs, and if they get that pressure turned up even a little bit more, and they've had really good pressure, but I mean great pressure. I mean, where you're just really harassing quarterbacks, uh, and in our, I mean, in our division alone, it's, it's imperative that you get after people. And this is the same group, as you well know, they went up and beat an undefeated Philadelphia team and their house. You can't accidentally do that. I know I heard you and people were tweeting me talking about, Kevin just said the Cowboys didn't try in the last game. And I said, there's no way Sheehan said that. And I went back and listened. Yeah, you did. You did say that. And I go, he was just baiting you guys. No, I wasn't. He knows damn well. No, I wasn't. That at kickoff. That's the worst. That's the, the worst. Com- and plus, they're playing. So, they're playing. They, they, Washington. It doesn't matter. 
they it doesn't matter. They, but it's, it, you said it. They, and the, the, pun, the punter couldn't hold these. on to the snap. The the punt returner couldn't hold on to the ball. Dak Prescott ha, was That's as bad fear. as he's ever been in a game. That's called fear. And the Giants and the Eagles were kicking the Giants' ass in the first quarter. The you game, call fear. No, the game meant nothing to him. They, that was, the no, game no, no, was no, not no. over in the first I mean, half. And did you, you know it? The 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 cow the the Cowboys the next week in the postseason went to Tampa and kicked their ass. That was the real Cowboy team. It compared yeah, to the Tampa team compared to the team. Juggernaut. I know, okay. but compared to what Washington, they were terrible. We we didn't see the best of Dallas. In, in you know, in you game. didn't see it because yeah. Washington was kicking their behind mm. and forcing them out of their comfort zone. Right, and that young kid they played great. Chapel Hill, North Carolina, yeah, put on a show. Well, he I mean he he played well. He was eleven. Of, yeah, I know he, he did. completed no, he did eleven passes. Well. Played, yeah, compl- you're so hard on him. Eleven passes. I mean, come on. You know who played great in that game was Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller he did. played. Uh, Kendall Fuller played great. The defense played great. Um, but I am not going to make my determination on Sam Howell based on that one game. And that's no, really my should. that's my point, really over over Archie yeah, point, which is and a I lot of people are a lot of people. Had he not played well that day. Yeah, a lot of people are. Well, if he hadn't played well, then Ron wouldn't have had the mo- the go to move to label him QB one. But he did play well, and he showed a lot of ability. And and by the way, that went with what we saw in preseason. He he played pretty well, so they're running with it. And look, we know what we've had. They had the little guy last year that you referred to as the little guy. I had people reach out to me last year a couple times. No, you did. And I say and say, did Doc that. really call you. him the little guy? I'm that like, yep. You. And I went back and listened, and it was yes, you did. <laughs> You did. You did. You called him on my podcast. You said the little kid. You called him the kid, the little kid. Oh, my hey, God. Hey, you know what? What? You know what? what? I'd like to have a heart transplant uh, I know. him and a lot of these other guys. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. All right. Yeah, um, and I did. And I, and I love I, – let me tell you about Heineke. What? He could make my team. He'd be my – I wouldn't mind him me as too. my third guy. Me too. Yeah, I wouldn't no, mind I'm him not, as my I'll second guy. He'd be my guy. I wouldn't mind. See, now, I wouldn't mind I him as my second him. guy. Yeah, I trust him in an emergency. If you see, if you when you well, you you won't go until the games, but when you see and you've seen Brissett play, you see him throw. Hey man, no, he wouldn't beat Jacoby out. There's no way. No chance. No, they would have been. They would have. They would have had a playoff game last year with with Brissett playing that. Yeah, they should have. They lost to Cleveland at home. Yeah. Well, the coach. The coach didn't just, even know I, that they that that was a, a must win situation. No, he was just doing what he did every game he played for Cleveland. No, I'm, just trying to do the no. Best he could. Well, he didn't play for Cleveland that day. Deshaun Watson did. Um, yeah, well, you're, you're absolutely right. They. But I'm saying right. that Rivera, the head coach, didn't even know that they could be eliminated that day. So maybe they weren't you know, even I trying. I remember hearing that, but again, okay. So what? I mean, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to fall down that trap with okay. you. Well, you st- you started Ron, with the. I had somebody call me and tell me, and I went back and listened. Um, yeah, Ron. All right. Okay. Ron's what? job is to keep the truth, the whole fan base at bay. Mm-hmm. At bay. At bay. Right. He's not a reporter. He speaks on behalf of keeping everything as calm as possible. 
You did a so good. So if that's what you require, then good. You did a great. I don't need anybody to tell me anything. I just look at the results. You exactly. You you did a great. Yeah, I don't give a damn what anybody said. <laughs> you did a show great, me. You, you show did. Me. You I did a great you job from today. One to four on Sundays. You did a great job today, and it was so much fun. By the way, a few weeks ago to be at Doc's ProView event, which was first class as always. Um, and, uh, I am going to, what, what, are you doing a podcast tomorrow or did you do one today? Tomorrow. All right. Tomorrow, patreon.com slash doc Walker for docs podcast yeah, with Solly. Um, I'm on Saturday You know, I'm the weekend guy now. I'm like the weekend weatherman. <laughs> okay. Um, and then I will be back on this show if the people want me they always want and you request me they always I'll want be back you. With you next Thursday. I, I get more requests for you than anybody else and I have to tell everybody look I can't ask him you know every once a week because I, I this is a privilege no, for far, me and you're I'm not available and it's hard to get you it's hard I'm to get you people and they say why didn't Kevin have you on more I said well I'm not one of his regulars <laughs> I no, said, but no. Well, you would be, said, but you're you're busy. You got a lot of stuff I going said, on. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to promise the people mm-hmm. that I'm just going to bogard my way on <laughs> at least once a week from this day forward. Okay. Well, let me just tell you that I would love to have you on once a week. Okay. So that th- now 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 it's up to you. Now it is strictly up to you because the people, no, I'm, because I'm the people the want people. you on 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 the podcast. And well, they, they don't, don't put it this way. They that. want you on my po- podcast a lot more than they want me on yours. So no, they know that you have so many deals going. And I don't have any deals going. People are signed on. I got, Tom, I go, okay. I got Tommy. I got, I got Tommy, you know, committed yeah, and for I go, two days. No, Lavero. See, Lavero and I have a great relationship. Yes. And I love Tommy. And Tommy's being good. Will you ever care? I said, Kevin, never coming on a weekend show. Okay. I said, what are you talking I'm about? I'm embarrassed to even I've never you. said no whenever you have asked me. I said, no, Tommy's on with me. I, I'm never on without Tommy. I go, Tommy. I go, you think we could get cast? I said, no, he's either going to be just doing, on, the, on the yacht at, doing, the, at the harbor. Yeah, you're doing this for a fact. I'm, I'm not, I don't even like boats. I said, I said he's, uh, okay. I was at a boat show mm-hmm. on of course Sunday you were. that was that's so your, much that, That's your crowd. Big boat, I bet. Well, I was there working. I was a yeah, I was, you know, volunteer, well, I mean, meet a greeter. Right. And um okay. it was a lot of fun. I love the the boating community. Uh, uh, well, that's your that's really your crowd. And mellow. Yeah, that's your crowd. I mean you're in you're no, upper crust. Crowd. I don't you're upper boat. crust. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm upper crust of a pecan of a sweet potato pie. Well, that's about it. I'll tell you what, I love but sweet anyway, potato look, pie. All right. I know that was your fun. Audience is clamoring that was fun and uh, it's let's keep in mind it's only it's only june they haven't played a game yet it's you know we we want and maybe it'll happen without dan here that sundays will become more of the focus starting in 2023 that would be nice well we still have a little we still have a little uh office cleaning up to do with this thing with the harris group yeah and let me ask you this all kidding aside yeah has anybody from that group contacted you no comment okay all right i can't believe i know that if you were a part of the limited partnership oh no 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 no. are you talking you're talking about no 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 not from that standpoint no 
No. God, what? Do you think, yeah, could I write you a check for $500 and be an equity partner? Um, I'll tell you what, if you and I got together, we could combine for a whole bunch. Because, man. Well, again, you know, Richard, I'm represented by Neil from Rockville. Yeah. And so I have to be very right. careful I, I, what I say okay. when it comes to that. This was great. Um, I will reach out to you. You know what? I'm going to reach out to you next week, and we'll see. I mean, not always. Um, are, are you uh, available? No, I'm just. I want your public. So you you painted me in a picture as a bad guy. <laughs> no, this is what you, you got people thinking. I'm not available. I tell people all that they go. How come you do Kevin? I said, look, he's got guys that are national brand uh, name the, guys. Yeah. Okay. I said, by the time he gets down to a washed up 68 year old, I mean, he just got better options. But if he's ever in a jam, when they when they can't you know make it, I always fill in. This was and they say, well, me, could you fill in when did, regularly? I said, well, I'll try. Yeah, well, you were you were choice number one today, as you usually are. There was that one time, that one time when Cooley didn't post, and I called you, and you've never let me forget it. But to your credit, you came on. Um, be, always, yeah. And, Cooley called me right now and said, "And I'm always trying. and I'm always available for you because you try to make it yeah. like I'm not available for you. I'm always no, available. I don't. But look, I feel bad. I mean, what I what am I offering you? I'm like, it's Kevin Sheehan. You asked him to come on. <laughs> All right, see ya. That was like, fun. You gotta be kidding. Great you know, job. A weekend. Great job. I'm on the weekend. I'll be. What am I going to do? Hey, Kevin. I'm on that. <laughs> All right, just get, Are you free? Can you can, can, Will you hang up, please? Good God, Mike. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, man. Richard Doc Walker, everybody. I am done for the day. I'll be back tomorrow.